from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome into Shot and Vip, a podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina this football season by Johnny T-Shirt. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Viplish, joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman and teammate, Jeff Schottmer. First time we're doing one of these this year where we have to talk about a Carolina loss. Uh, Inexplicable. Carolina loses 31 to 27 to Virginia in the South's oldest rivalry. It was UVA's first conference win in over a year. Uh, UVA's first win against a a power five opponent. Their only win this year coming against William and Mary. How do you you begin to break down this game and your overall thoughts watching this? Vip, I'm I'm distraught, man. I uh, I, I was, you know, I, I didn't want to do this podcast at all, uh, but with the good, you got to take the bad. And, you know, there's nowhere to sugarcoat it. The loss was awful, unexplainable, uh, maybe one of the worst losses in UNC history, given the circumstances and, pot- and potential for this team. Um, and, and I don't want to, you know, just beat a dead horse and, and talk about how bad of a loss it was. I kind of want to talk about why it happened and why I didn't, why I thought this team was different than years past, you know, looking at the, at the first six games of the year, this team looked different. And we've talked about it in prior podcasts where we were winning the games we were supposed to comfortably. We were winning power five games by 10 plus points. And and why did I think we were different because of our, of veteran leadership that is our, our best players. You know, you look at Drake, you look at Cedric, you look at Rucker, you look at Huzzy, those guys have played a lot of football and they're our best players. So when you have your veteran guys that are your best players, your best leaders, you know, I thought they were changing the culture of this team. Um, you know, and th- this game was a carbon copy of Georgia Tech from last year. You know, we had a double digit lead in the third quarter and we lose to a very, very inferior opponent. You know, it's frustrating because in years past, Coach Brown has been able to say, you know, we don't have an old team. We don't have a mature team. We're playing a lot of young guys, but that's not the case anymore. You know, you look all across the board. We have veterans. We have guys that have played a ton of college football. And, and then and then you pair it with, quote unquote, Max best staff to date. Like that's a recipe for ACC championship level play like we've been talking about the last six weeks. But but. What, what, what the product they put on Saturday on the field Saturday was was it was very frustrating and and look I, I truly believe this team 
could, I mean, not make the playoffs, but, you know, it's always fun to be in, in contention and, and, and hear UNC be talked about by Kirk Herbstreet and all those ESPN announcers when they talk about the playoffs. But, you know, that dream is dead and gone. You know, uh, we do still have some things left on the table, but, um, you know, playoffs that lasted for a week. Playoff talk was one week long and that that's now expired. So uh, now we got to scrap and scrap and claw and try to go go beat a Georgia Tech team on the road where we played two years ago and we got our our butts handed to us. So we, we got we got something to prove. Yeah, just just to, to paint the scene on on how my week has kind of been going. I missed this game, uh, was sick, had to deal with um, being sick and in bed the entire week. I'm moving. I'm trying to figure out how to how to move my flights around. Uh, some people noticed on the boards that I didn't have the insider rundown or uh, a post game video. Um, that's why I didn't, because I had a hard time even even moving this week. This is the first time I'm even getting up the entire week. Um, I'm laying down. I'm trying to figure out how to watch this game on the CW. That's that should have been the first clue that something was off. That this game is on the CW. I'm trying to stream it. The the stream's not working. I'm having to get my laptop and, and go through all these all these weird sites to try to even watch this game. Finally, get settled in, and I I think you kind of hit on it perfectly. Why? I do think this is the the worst loss in, in um, school history from from what I can remember. Now, th- there's times where we've been embarrassed more. Probably the that ECU game, um, ECU game jumps right to mind. That that Georgia Tech game that you had mentioned. But this team, the the difference was that this team did feel different. And I think a lot of UNC fans are are waking up on, on Sunday and Monday saying like we probably should have seen this coming. This is, I have the stat, this is the three of the four biggest upsets in UNC uh, football history on record. Three of the four have happened in the last three seasons. It's UVA, Carolina was a 23 and a half point favorite on Saturday. Last year against Georgia Tech, they were a 21 point favorite. And then 2021 against Florida State, they were a 17 and a half point favorite. And you hear that and you're like, yeah, you, you, this North Carolina team, it's death taxes and them losing a game that they have no business losing. But this team, like you mentioned, it, they did feel different. They they start 6-0. and You have a quarterback that is going to be a, a top five pick in the NFL draft. Everybody on your defense is these senior or experienced leaders, Cedric Gray, Kamon Rucker, Elijah Huzzy. Um, and then, then offensively, it's like this – you just watched Virginia not be able to have the same offensive success that they had against William and Mary. And they come in here against UNC, a a top 10 team and Carolina just, they, they just looked like a shell of the team that we saw the, the Syracuse game, the team that we saw the second half of the Miami game. And honestly, it felt like Virginia was trying to give this game away to Carolina and, and Carolina just, didn't make enough plays to escape and win. And at one point from a Carolina fan perspective, I was starting to um, almost cope with the result and be like, if you just win this game, just just survive, just survive and get to the next week, coach them up hard during the week. But all that matters is that you did get a win. 
And the fact that Carolina, we're sitting here talking about losing to a 23 and a half point underdog at, uh, at home against a team like Virginia, who really had no business being in this game. Carolina's up double digits in the second half. How do you even break down what happened? Because it felt like, it felt like Virginia had a plan and Carolina just just went into this game hoping for the best. So I think, look, UVA had a bye week, you know, prior to the UNC game. And I think they kind of took App State's plan and copied it exactly. Um, yes, you, yes, one win UVA had a plan. That's surprising, right? You know, they had a plan to beat us and they schemed us up, right? So, like I said, very similar to App State. They, they ran the ball. They ran that stretch scheme. They they used the QB in the run game. You know, that QB is not just a, a, a drop back pocket passer. He's an athlete that can, you know, make plays with his legs, you know, 60 yards that he had plus. And um, they got him outside the pocket and made some easy throws for him. You know, they, they hit the tight end on the flat a couple of times, tight end on a wheel route. Um, like they they did some good things. And, and here's where I have an issue. So with, with a bye week coming – you know, those during or during the bye week, the UVA coaches obviously are going to find out, you know, what we what they can exploit on UNC's side. Right. So the first touchdown that UVA had, they ran a unbalanced formation into the boundary play and handed the ball to the running back because they knew exactly if they line up in that formation, what UNC's defense was going to be in. So they had a great scheme there and we had a one on one with the running back and the cornerback and their guy got the best of us on that play. That's great. They they go up 7-0 and and you know they're kudos to them. Give them credit for scheming up a, a good drive. But we have to make these adjustments as the game goes on. And we're the better team. The longer the game goes, we should, you know, our physicality, our tackling, our toughness, our skills should take over the game. But it just never did. You know, um, I, I praised our team so much last week about being physical and being they've been the most physical team in every game to date. UVA won that battle by a large margin. You know, their defensive line whooped our O-line's butt and and their O-line whooped our D-line's butt. You know, our, our red zone offense wasn't good. We had we got in there three times and scored one touchdown. You know, our red zone defense wasn't good. We didn't hold them to field goals. We allowed them to score touchdowns in the red zone. We were awful. Our offense was awful on third down and fourth down. I think combined four of 16 or something or 15 or 15 um yep. you know six percent you know the hidden yardage and special teams was was atrocious i think they gained you know 150 180 yards more than we did just just from special teams yardage you know our, our defense our tackling and our physicality were lacking and then last week i praised you know how how good we've been doing with our physicality especially from the interior d-line and the d-line and the linebackers and and we got pushed around on the D-line. And then that in tune affects the linebackers. And it just was a it was a recipe for disaster. Yeah, this this game, I, I think disaster is the best word to describe uh this UNC performance where Virginia beats them on, on time of possession 37 to 23. You have somebody like Omar and Hampton who is a, a physical runner and, and somebody that can help you that has helped Carolina up to this point win the time of possession battles in games. He has five second half carries. Uh, he did not run the ball the last 
8.30 in a game that UNC was only down by four. It wasn't like they were having to air it out and, and um, make up a lot of points with little time. 8.30 in a game left to, to not get one of the best running backs in the ACC a, a carry for the remainder of the game is is pretty perplexing, especially when you look at his second-half carries. They went for 18, 8, 6, 0, and 4. So it wasn't like Virginia all of a sudden found something out in the run game. North Carolina was having a lot of success. In it. And one of the things you talked about where it felt like Virginia had a plan, it felt like not only did North Carolina not have a plan, but it, it felt like they didn't even see what was working to be able to be like, hey, Omar and Hampton is having – a great game. He's he's averaging 5.9 yards per carry. You give Omar and Hampton the ball three times, he'll probably get a first down on on his own. And then you have a quarterback like Drake May. And when you when you do have that balance attack, and, and when you're not putting the entire game on Drake May's shoulders, you're it's it's a lot more balanced of an attack and more of one that we've seen so far this year with Carolina. And then defensively, this UNC team, it it got to the point where at North Carolina had a a fourth and 12 with like four, four minutes, 450-ish left, I would say. And instead of kicking the field goal uh, to cut it to a one-point game, Mac Brown went for it on, on fourth and 12. And Honestly, you can't really even blame him because at up to that point, the defense really wasn't stopping them. If you give the ball back to Virginia, the success that that quarterback was having rushing the ball where, you know, he finishes with 12 carries and 66 yards, almost averaging as, as much rushing yards per attempt as somebody like Omar and Hampton. You know, you, you can't really blame Mac Brown for, for not trusting the defense and going for it. The only thing I would kind of uh, critique there is, the the third and 12 and the fourth and 12 if you knew you were going to go for it on fourth down it was i have it now it was a third and 12 on the 20 with 450 left so carolina's down four if you know it's four down territory but the play calling distance the play calling and and what drake was trying to do there it felt like it felt like there was five seconds left and carolina thought like we have to score a touchdown because every throw was going to the end zone instead of trying to shorten it or, or just playing for the sticks. It didn't feel like they were playing for the sticks. It felt like they were playing to get the entire 20 yards when there's 450 left. And up to that point, they they were driving the ball with a, a good deal of success. And I, I think the, you, you look for stats that kind of tell the story. 415 on third and fourth downs. UVA winning the time of possession battle, 37 to 23. And then also UVA outrushing Carolina 228 to 143. A lot, a lot to dissect from this game. Not a lot of it good. We heard about that. This was a a trap game. The, the entire week from Mac Brown, that Carolina couldn't take the cheese. Was there too much talk about that? This was a trap game and, and not just approaching it just like any other game. And where are you kind of putting uh, a majority of the blame on this game when when you lose against a team like Virginia as a 23 and a half point favorite so you know the, the definitely the players are at, at blame for for a lot of it but I think the majority of it is the coaches and, and here's why I think you know everyone knew this was a trap game 
you know, we had a shaky first half, but we end the first half and we're up three points magically, you know, and, and we start the third third quarter and we go up 10. There's nine minutes to go in the third quarter. We just get a defensive stop on fourth down. We go down and score at that point, throw all the winning, pretty winning, ugly out of the window. The coaches need to grab the player's hands and drag them to the finish line and win that game. And here's how they do it. Okay. Drake was off all night. You know, he was, he was missing short throws, intermediate throws, overthrowing, you know, our receivers were dropping balls. Our offensive line couldn't protect. So, but what, what could we, what were we doing? Well, we were running the ball with Hampton. So how, how do our coaches help our team win that game? Well, we find out what we were doing right. And we keep doing it. We run the ball with Hampton. We change our game plan. We, we don't try to have Drake throw it 50 times. I mean, that's, that's very obvious to say, what else could we do? We could, you know, Drake was struggling. We could move the pocket with Drake. We could get Drake involved in the run game. You know, hell, have Drake run zone read and keep the ball. You know, we could do more quick passes, slants, over the ball routes, screens. We haven't been a good screen team. Run some nakeds, get Drake outside the pocket, moving left and right. Maybe get in more empty formation. Like there's so many things we could do. How could we help the O-line? We could maybe max protect and bring two tight ends in the game and, and run two-man routes. Like there's so many things that we could do offensively offensively to help our team but we didn't we just stuck to stuck to our normal game plan and acted like everything was normal and when it when we were off so that's the frustrating thing to me is is the fact that we had a 10 point lead in the third quarter you know we have a thousand out of a thousand times we have to win that game i don't i don't care if we win by three it's like we got to get get our team across the finish line and defensively you know how do we help our team out so UVA's quarterback was not a pocket passer per se. He was more athletic. He was, he was like the app state kid. He made some plays with his legs. He was gritty. He was tough. He didn't have a huge arm, but he was pretty, pretty accurate intermediate passing. And we have to figure out how to stop a running QB. That's what we got to do. You know, this is a copycat league. You know, they ran multiple plays that app state ran against us and were successful. So if other offensive coordinators are seeing that then our defensive staff needs to be like hey these are the these are the successful plays that teams have run against us well they're probably going to run it in the future so let's find a plan and, and fix it you know um you know i think i think the mac saying you know i told the players all week don't take the cheese i think that's a little bit of him covering his butt but you know at the end of the day he can't put the blame on the players. He's got to take the blame. You know, he he's talked about how good of a staff that he's assembled. And, and at the end of the day, like the coach has got to make some, some adjustments throughout the game and see that our team is struggling and go back to what we do really well, offensively and defensively, you know, they got to figure out a way to get us across the finish line. And, and I think more of the blame is offensively is, you know, the play calling and running the ball with Hampton and, you know, finding a way to, to get Drake out of that little funk he was in. So, um, yeah, I'm going to put, I'm going to put majority of the blame on the coaches. So. Hello everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called the rest is football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer. Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search 
The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you and kind of add to your point, but just to play devil's advocate for a second and give that counter perspective, wide receivers, six drops. There's there's not too many things you, you could call as a play caller if your wide receivers just can't catch the ball. And uh, an uncharacteristic game from the North Carolina receivers where Nate McCollum has four drops, J.J. Jones has two drops. This was the first game all season that Carolina's defense had 11 missed tackles to where maybe the the defensive coaches are putting them in the right position, but the players, for whatever reason, are are having a hard time bringing people down. Um, And and then I think we kind of mentioned, I've mentioned it throughout this podcast this season where what could handcuff this team is them in pass protection. And you have a left tackle that really struggles at times and, you saw the last play of the game where he gets beat like a drum and Drake may gets hit as he throws and game it uh, throws an interception and it's game over from there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, again, agree with you that you're up double digits against a team whose only win is William and Mary at home. You have to drag the team over the finish line. You have a, a back as good as Omar and Hampton, running the ball as well as he did as well as he does you could shorten the game you could leave the defense off the field the defense it really didn't every time UVA came out on the field I I really didn't have any confidence that that the defense could get a stop and I was I was shocked at the end of the game that the defense did get a shot did get a stop and force the ball back to Drake May and and give Carolina another chance to win the game uh but also uh they fumbled out of the back of the end zone and kind of gifted and Carolina. An interception. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just a game like that's a game where if if you're a true top ten team, like you look at Florida State when they played Boston College, a lot of things didn't go Florida State's way. They find a way to to win the game. You right. you could look at almost any team that finishes the year throughout the top ten and be like, they could have lost this game. They could have lost this game. They probably should have lost this game. But you have the talent and you have the coaches to to kind of overcome those mistakes. And I, I think a lot of North Carolina fans fell for it and, and wanted to believe that this team was different because in, in the six weeks leading up to this Virginia game, they showed that they were a different team. But then you you have a game like this where you resort back and it's like the the same Car- the, the same Carolina football where, you know, the, the the players are tired of hearing about it, the the people that are that really care about Carolina football are, are tired of hearing about it. When you got the, the meme accounts and, and the the social media accounts saying like, Oh, well it's, it's basketball season again. Like those, those things stink to hear as, as a player mm-hmm. and, and somebody who cares uh, this deeply a, about the Carolina football program. 
where where does Carolina go from here? How do, how do you reset expectations? And fr- from your experience, when you lose a game like this, where you really had no business losing, how do you not let this game beat you twice? So this is going to sound bad, um, but I think fans and in media take losing harder than the players. So the players are these young 18 to 21 year old kids. They have, you know, they forget things quicker than, than fans do because fans, you know, they go to work and they just think about the game all week, but the players, they got to go right back to work. They, they got, they got to flip the page and go right to the next game. And, and I, I firmly believe, I think this was an anomaly. I, I still believe our team is going to play for the ACC championship. I truly believe that um, we have shown too much flashes of greatness this year to, to just, you know, throw it all out the door. Um, you know, obviously we're playing a, a Georgia tech team who I I'm sure we're, you know, 10 plus point favorites against, you know, obviously we haven't had a I good track 11 record and a half right now, 11 and a half. Yeah. I mean, look, we are a very talented team. We played awful and, you know, everything that went wrong could, um, Look, I'm not I'm not sugarcoating this loss and it, it was awful, but I, I truly believe, you know, flashes of, of our third quarter in Miami, if we can find a way to tap into that and play like that the majority of the time, like we will still go to the ACC championship. Do I think we can beat Florida State? I think if we if we played them 10 times, I think we could beat them, too. So hopefully, you know, we we win that we play like we should on the night that we play them. But um you know, you have to turn the page. You have to, obviously there's a lot of learning that we have to do from this, but um, I think it hopefully readjusts our coach's mind because, you know, of how they call the game offensively and defensively, you know, uh, we obviously have some issues at with injuries on the O-line. Um, we obviously have issues at punter, you know, our, our receiver room isn't as deep as we thought, you know, we're, we're not getting a lot of production, out of anyone besides Tez right now. Um, you know, I think Nate will have a bounce back game. I think that was, that's not who he's shown to be. Um, I think we'll have to rely on Hampton a lot more. Um, but look, I, I've always, I was obviously like very down about this game, but um, I am fully expecting our guys to turn the page and, and, and put this one behind us because, you know, we're led by Drake at the helm and he is, he is a competitor through and through and, you know, in anything that he's done in his life, I don't think he's been, been held down long. I think he he's going to bounce back and rise to the occasion and, and kind of grab this team, him and said and Ruck and, and have some hard conversations with everybody and, you know, get, get the ship righted. Yeah. When, when you look at Carolina's schedule uh, for the remainder of the season, a lot of people were just looking ahead to that Duke-UNC game and, and then UNC on the road at Clemson and then UNC finishing the year on the road at NC State. Um, and it did feel like they had three three cupcakes to get themselves there and you get to 9-0 and and you're in the college football playoff talk. Well, you mentioned it at the start. Those conversations go out the window uh, pretty quickly. And I, I think the – you have like the glass half full approach and the glass half empty approach where it's like, yes, Carolina can get to the ACC championship and they're actually the outside of FSU. They're the favorite to to get there. I think I saw like 
35% chance to yeah. get to the ACC championship. But the glass half empty approach is like when you're when you're a team that allows games like you had on Saturday, it's hard to imagine them being able to be the ones that that run the table. And you look at the ACC standings, FSU is five and zero, Louisville's three and one, UNC's three and one, Duke's two and one, Virginia Tech is two and one. That that would be the most ACC thing. Virginia Tech getting getting backing their way into the ACC. That's not uh, gonna happen. They backing can't. their way into the ACC championship. Uh, but yeah, when y- y- if you're Carolina, I I don't know the the math of the the tiebreakers, but you would have to imagine if they win out, they're they're almost in control of their own destiny. I I guess there's a way where they could tie with Louisville, I guess, and. Louisville would get the tiebreaker but you know if if you're Carolina and you're telling me you get to the end of the season with one conference loss and that only that one conference loss is to um Virginia I think you sign up for that and, and hope you get to the ACC championship you mentioned the 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 punting and that was a point I, I forgot to make um Carolina is dead last in the ACC in average yards per punt Duke is first for for context, 47.4. Carolina is dead last with 35 yards per punt. They had a 16-yard a punt yesterday. Uh, you're, you're just gifting when you're backed up and then you have a 16-yard punt. You're better off just keeping Drake May out on the field most of the time. And uh, I know it's a situation where they lost Ben Kiernan for the year to a, to a lower body injury, but you got a lot of people on campus, a, a lot of a lot of frat kids, a lot of frat kids probably were kickers and punters. It, sure. it might be time. It might be time to hold an open tryout and see uh, if you got something else on campus for for punting because the punting is the the hidden yards. Like you're 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 setting yourself so far behind when you're losing the field position battle as bad as um, Carolina lost against uva we have a rugby team on campus don't we intramural rugby or club rugby try them try them please we, we need something um i'm watching i'm watching carolina punt and it, it it just does it nothing about the operations look good when you've had two punts blocked and then you have 16 yard punts uh something something is not right there and really special teams as a whole for carolina has been pretty down this year outside of uh the one punt return elijah huzzy had and it's not as talked about when your offense doesn't do as well or when your defense doesn't do as well it might not stick out to people that really don't know football uh but you know special teams is is a a huge phase in football and when you're losing 186 yards in in that hidden yardage you're you're setting yourself up for failure especially when you compound that with no success on third and fourth downs when you compound that with you can't stop the other team and for some reason you stop running the ball. Uh, but we'll see how Carolina bounces back and, and hopefully this game doesn't beat them twice. But that'll what's, take what's us your to- prediction? What's your prediction for the heels going forward? Do you think we write the ship? Do you think this is carbon copy of last year where we start losing a few games, lose the team? What, what's your write the ship of- as in as in bouncing back immediately against Georgia Tech. I, yeah. I think they're gonna 
I think they're going to blow Georgia Tech out. I, I I know Atlanta's been kind of like a, a house of horrors for Carolina, and it, it is right around uh, Halloween, and you get word about any time you have a trip to Atlanta. Uh, I think Carolina bounces back in a big way this weekend against Georgia Tech, and then Campbell, they cruise. I, I just don't see Carolina winning both of Duke and Clemson. I, I think there's a split there, and I, I don't know where the split comes from. Part of it is I saw the ACC championship last year where my mind is telling me that there is a pretty big gap between Carolina and Clemson. And then with a team like Duke, you it, it's hard to not be impressed with what Elko has done at Duke in, in that quick of a turnaround. And when college football and football in general is just such a copycat sport, Knowing if Riley Leonard is healthy going into that game, I think Elko has the coaching staff to kind of expose this Carolina defense and turn a game into a shootout, which is not the way that Carolina probably wants to play this year. Um, I, I don't think I want to say I don't think state's competition, uh, but it's also a game where you kind of throw out the records with um the mindset of, of both those teams and, and the recent history with those two teams. But yeah, I, I think Carolina still has one more loss in them this season. Um, yeah. Wait. So if, if we go 10 and two and Louisville goes 10 and two, we're still going to the ACC championship. Is that right? I should know this. I, I don't know what the tiebreaker is, to be honest. Okay. That, that's like Greg Barnes territory. Cause I see, I of, see Louisville. I looked at their schedule today. I see them losing to uh, Miami. Yeah, and, and then uh, – And if you think we got one more loss in us, then that puts us both at 10-2. and two, And that would state likely 12 you have, Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say Miami would only have two conference losses, but Miami still has to play FSU. Really, anybody who has to play FSU, uh, you're just pe- you're just writing them down for a loss there. Yeah, I think, I think the Carolina fans have to go into every week rooting against Louisville. Um, yeah. Really, really, it's it seems like Louisville's the only team where you should go into every week rooting against them because if if you're Carolina, you can kind of control your own destiny playing playing Duke and already having a win against Miami. Uh, but like like that Louisville Louisville Miami is a, a complete toss up, and uh, even even this weekend Duke at Louisville is a is a game that Carolina fans should probably have circled but speaking of games this weekend that'll take us into our pick of the weekend presented by our friends at congruity north carolina based national coverage local presence personal support straight from the tar hill state is what congruity provides to consumers they're empowering small and mid-sized business owners with hr and payroll outsourcing enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets your people and they're doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. They are obsessed with customer service. They become part of your team, and they do it with providing the heavy lifting and providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, and unlock game-changing growth. 
Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn more about Congruity. Fill out a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners and viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels. Shot. We're, we're, we're dead even right now on our, our pick of the weekend. You picked Ole Miss. Ole Miss covers on the road at Auburn. Uh, they win by seven. I think the spread was like five and a half, five, five, or five six, and a half. Yeah. yeah, whatever it was, they, they cover with a great deal of ease. I took Penn State. I, I'm kind of embarrassed now that looking back on it, I'm embarrassed that I thought Drew Eller could have been good. That offense was atrocious. They were bad. I, I don't he know. It was bad. The, the play calling was bad. It was the most predictable stuff I've ever seen. I went into the game saying, like, hey, it's, this is going to be two great defenses. And for the most part, it was two great defenses. But I didn't think Penn State's offense would look uh, as bad as they did. And I, I love James Franklin coming out after the game, immediately getting ahead of the story and being like, I think you guys just watched two of the best teams in the country. <laughs> smart man. <laughs> it was a, it was a smart move on, on his part. Uh, I don't think Penn State is one of the best teams in the country. Ohio State has a case for that. Uh, where are you going this week? We're both two and one. If some people are saying, "Hey, three and one," you're that's, doing that's good. Plus three money, one. yeah. Three, <laughs> if you're anything, three and one, picking spreads. That's, that's that's plus money. That's all we're looking for. Uh, my my pick of the week. Weekend? My pick of the week. So my pick of the week is brought to you by obviously our friends at Congruity, but I'm going to give a free shout out to Lucha Tigre. It's my favorite nice. restaurant in Chapel Hill. Shout out Qua. He's the owner. If you guys haven't been to Lucha Tigre, it's on uh, Martin Luther King, uh, you know, before the police station. Uh, best Asian fusion in town. Everyone, you know, stop by and get your general sows, your empanadas, your spicy chicken and noodles, whatever you want. They got it. Uh, but my pick of the week is Florida plus 14 and a half against Georgia. So obviously UGA Florida, biggest cocktail party in the world in Jacksonville. Um, I went and saw Florida live this year and I saw them beat Tennessee at the swamp. Obviously, you know, the home field advantage at that game had a lot to do with it, but Florida's got some talent. I think they're going to shorten the game and, you know, make it, a, make it an ugly one. Um, Brock Bowers is out for Georgia. He's their best player. So I think Florida's got some, some elite defenders and I think they uh, have enough guys in the trenches to keep this thing tight. You know, I think, they lose the game, but I think they they cover 14 and a half for me. That's a lot of points. Especially without Brock Bowers. I, I think that's yep. the, the key there with how important he is for the Georgia offense. For me, I'm going to a team. They were once left for dead. There's a slight pulse in Blacksburg, Virginia. It's it's faint. It's very faint. Who do they but play? I'm going Virginia Tech minus three at home this Thursday against Syracuse. I was not really impressed with with Syracuse. Uh, they're a team that starts every year out hot. Uh, Virginia Tech made the switch. Grant Wells was their quarterback. The Marshall transfer and Kyron Drones is their is their new quarterback, and, and they have looked a lot better under him. I'm taking Virginia Tech minus three only because it's a, a Thursday night game. At Lane Stadium, you get Enter Sandman, one of the best atmospheres in, in all of college football, no matter how Virginia Tech is. And that, that was one of the lines that stuck out to me where 
you can kind of see how how each team is is trending going into a game. And I will back. I'm gonna back the Hokies minus three. That offense at times it's a at times it's gonna be a hold your nose bet where it's like oh this this offense could look very bad at times. But uh, I'm just hoping enter Sandman and, and I could ride enter Sandman and Metallica to, to three and one. But shot that will do it for this episode. Uh, Carolina back in action. It's a 8 p.m. kickoff in Atlanta. Uh, channel. Let me look at the channel. Uh, hopefully it's not on the CW. The CW. <laughs> I, I hope Carolina has never played on this, dude. So Carolina kicks off at 6:30, right? I'm on. The, I download the CW app. I click live, and I'm on the app. It's like 6:35. I'm seeing tweets like Carolina is kicking off or Carolina is receiving yeah. the ball, and I'm like. Whoa, I'm still stuck on this live golf loading screen, like live watch now. And then I I'm just realized like, hey, the CW, whatever this app is, doesn't have the game. <laughs> I thought they were showing like reruns of One Tree Hill or some <laughs> Smallville. Some, some Halloween movie. <laughs> yeah, but thankfully not on the CW. It's back on the ACC network. The ACC nice. network, I can complain about that, but it. When you when you're on the CW, it's uh you don't know what you got until it's gone with the ACC network. So I'll probably never complain about the ACC network ever again. Uh, Carolina back in action Saturday 8 p.m. ACC network. Shotman, appreciate the time as always, and appreciate everybody watching and listening. Appreciate it, Vip. Hopefully next week we have a much happier podcast, and we're we're back on the bandwagon of ACC champs, baby. So uh, everyone have a good week. Thanks for listening. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.